Welcome to a 2015 Traumatic Brain Injury Consumer Conference podcast, sponsored by Kessler Foundation and Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation. Guest speaker, Bill Gallagher, PT, CMT, CYT. East-West Rehab presents Optimizing Brain Injury Recovery. This presentation was recorded on Thursday, September 24, 2015, and was hosted by the Northern New Jersey Traumatic Brain Injury System with support from the National Institute of Disability Independent Living and Rehabilitation Research, Administration for Community Living, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Washington, D.C., grant number H133A120030. A little bit about me, I'm, I'm a physical therapist, uh, I'm also a yoga teacher and a Tai Chi teacher. Uh, I work part-time at Mount Sinai uh, on the outpatient unit at this point, but the very first unit that I worked on was a brain injury, KCC3 at Mount Sinai, brain injury unit. Uh, now I'm on the outpatient unit and I get to do, it's mostly one-on-one -on -one sessions with with a broad variety of, of pe people with different conditions. But every Thursday I get to teach for two uh, brain injury programs, the, the phase two and the do it program. And what I'm teaching in those, in those classes is meditation, breath work, guided imagery, some gentle yoga, some Tai Chi. Uh, and I also teach at Columbia uh, a course for PTs and, a, and a students and another course for OT students. And those courses are about a third yoga, a third Feldenkrais, and a third Tai Chi. And I teach those with Richard Sable. He's my teaching partner. He's an OT and a Feldenkrais practitioner. Uh, and he and I uh, founded the East-West Rehab Institute where we teach continuing ed courses for PTs and OTs primarily. And meditation is a foundation of what we're teaching to those professionals. Now that, when we start off a continuing ed program for PTs and OTs, before we even introduce ourselves, we typically talk that group through a meditation. So, how do you meditate? Let's do it. I would recommend put everything down. Uh, you know, now's not the time to take notes. You've got notes to this in your handout. And find a good position in the chair. Two options that I typically recommend. First is come all the way back. And if you bend forward at your hips and get your butt all the way back in the chair, it's more likely to put your, your pelvis in a position where the chair really supports you. The other option is sitting forward, where you're not using the back of the chair. If you're very short, if you have trouble reaching the floor, that's a really good one. If your back is gonna, if five minutes into standing without, or sitting without back support is gonna be very uncomfortable for you, go with number one feet flat on the floor, and pick a place for the arms to rest where you can let them go. 
palms up, palms down, whatever feels natural to you. And then another position option you have is what to do with the eyes. Option one is to close them. The upside of that is you get rid of one kind of distraction. If your eyes are closed and the person in front of you scratches her ear halfway through the meditation, that won't register as, as an event in your brain. Uh, the other option is to point them forward and down. Like for me, right about the far end of that table there would be a good place to point the eyes at and let the gaze, let the focus soften. The upside of that is you may find it easier to stay awake and alert during the meditation. And the, while it's very common for people to fall asleep during a meditation, I have fallen, I will admit to falling asleep momentarily while teaching meditation <laughs> to people with brain injuries. They didn't know it. <laughs> it was just a very long pause. <laughs> So it's not a big deal if you fall asleep, but it's not what I'm shooting for. I'm looking to stay awake and alert and present while, while I'm meditating. So either close the eyes or point them down, uh, maybe at the, chair, the back of the chair of the person in front of you. I mean, another upside of keeping the eyes open is some people are just uncomfortable closing their eyes in public. So pick an eye choice, either closed or pointing forward and down. And that's all choosing the position. Second step is to relax unnecessary muscle tension. A good place to look is the shoulders. Excellent chance you can let your shoulders release down and out a bit. Let the arms be heavy wherever they're resting. And you can bring the attention to the throat area and let it soften. The jaw, let it go slack. Let the top and bottom teeth separate away from each other and let the tongue soften, and the lips soften, and let all the other muscles of the face hang as limply as possible on the skull. You can bring the attention to the scalp, let that area soften, and the back of the neck. I like to imagine a balloon tied to the back of my skull, and I want to let that balloon float up by relaxing muscles between the back of the skull and the neck. And any other place that you think there may be unnecessary tension, anything that's not necessary to sit in a fairly decent posture and breathe in this chair, anything that's not necessary, let it go as much as it will go. When your mind finds it, let it soften as much as it'll soften.
Step three, bring the attention to the breath. Not breathing in any special way, just letting the body breathe however it happens to be breathing. Everybody's brainstem did a perfectly good job of keeping us alive while we were asleep last night. Nobody had to set an alarm clock to make sure you were breathing. Let that part of your brain that handled sleep, handled breathing while you were asleep last night, handle the details of the breathing right now. Letting the body breathe however it happens to be breathing. And you can focus on that sensation of the breath in the nostrils to start. Feeling the relatively cool, dry air coming in. Warmer, moisture air going out. And when the mind wanders, it has probably already wandered a time or two. When your mind wanders from the breath, gently bring it back. As soon as you notice it's wandered, no judgment, no big deal. Expect to, the mind to wander. When it does, gently bring it back to the sensation of the breath in the nostrils. And then if you like, you can bring the attention to the belly focusing on sensations of movement, pressure change, that come and go with the breath in the abdominal area. Still letting the body breathe however it happens to breathe. When the mind wanders from the sensation of the breath in the belly, gently bring it back. And then if you like, you can bring the attention back to the nostrils, back to where we started. And for this last bit of the meditation, I'd recommend turning up the intensity of the focus a bit. Still when the mind wanders from the breath, gently bring it back, but do it a little more firmly now. Watching the mind a little more closely to notice when it begins to wander from the sensation of the breath so you can bring it right back. Watching the sensation of the breath in the nostrils the way a cat would watch a bird. Very intently. Maybe as if your next meal depended on it. And then you can begin to let the focus soften and broaden, noticing other sensations in the body, scent or lack of scent in the nose, taste or lack of taste in the mouth, noises in the room around us. The sensation of the clothing on the skin, air on the skin, the support of the chair, the floor. And 
notice anything that's changed while you were meditating? If your mind had weather, would you say that weather has changed? And notice any sensation that's different in the body. And then feel free to move, stretch. If the eyes are closed, you can open them and uh, come back together here. So boiling meditation down to four steps here. Uh, it's simple practice to talk ourselves through. Uh, I'd like everybody to play along with me here. If you can, clasp your hands, you know, sort of like the way it is in the picture, and notice that there's one thumb that's on top, and there's one thumb that's underneath. What I'd like you to do is, without looking, everybody look at me, without looking at your hands, unclasp them and put the other thumb, the other forefinger on top. How does that feel? Different. Weird. Strange. Awkward. Okay. Yeah, the, the first way feels great. The, the second way feels strange, awkward, uh, uncomfortable, some people might say. And it's not a right-handed, left-handed thing. It's just a, you know, my theory is it came from, you know, when I was a baby, this is the first way I did it. Maybe when you were a baby, you did it the other way. But it's an example of a habit. Uh, and all of us, everybody in the room, has zillions of habits. Uh, nobody who's wearing pants thought about much this morning about whether you know, he or she should put the right foot in the pant leg or the left leg in the pant leg. You did it the way you usually do it. I bet everybody who could brushed their teeth this morning. And you, you may not remember brushing your teeth, but you know you did it because it's a habit. So there are plenty of habits that save us energy, that, that keep us safe, that keep us healthy. And there are habits, everybody in the room, including me, has habits that could use some tweaking. Physical habits and mental habits. So does this feel f familiar to anybody? You know, the mind chattering away. Uh, you know, uh, Connie's talk this morning where she used that, that analogy of uh, an iceberg. You know, this one, I should be. You know, that, that, that's a, you know, that's a shameful full thought. And, you know, everybody's mind spends a lot of time bouncing around like that. You know, self-judging. Self you know, worrying, going into the past, going into the future. And I cannot have mental stress without my mind leaving the present. I need to go into the past and I need to replay an old movie or think if only or I should have or I could have. 
or I need to go into the future and imagine, it, imagine something going not the way I would like it to go. Those, you know, my mind needs to go into the past or into the future to kick up mental stress. To the extent that, you know, standing up in front of a whole bunch of people here, that I can stay in the present moment, I can avoid freaking myself out. As soon as I go back and start to think about what I should have said five minutes ago, I'm kind of doomed, you know, as, as a public speaker here. Uh, what we just did in that meditation was practice staying in the moment. I didn't have you think about the breath you're going to take in five minutes or remember the breath you took at the beginning. Each breath was an opportunity to be present in the actual moment that you were in. Uh, and, th you know, The last thing that anybody wants is to be on their deathbed realizing they spent their whole life worrying about the past or, or, you know, or wishing the past had gone differently or worrying about the future. The more we can be in the actual moment we're in, the less stress we have and the more we're actually living our lives. So, you know, to me, the biggest upside of a meditation practice is revealing, you know, the, you know, being able to notice what my mind is actually doing. Oh, that was a shameful thought. Rather than going into the habit of uh, being the perfectionist or making fun of somebody, uh, you know, being the bully, let me just sort of feel that and let that, let that settle in. And, you know, by feeling that, letting that feeling hit me, I can move through it and let that part of me be okay. And, you know, sort of let that part of the, the iceberg support me rather than drag me down. I strongly feel that all those parts of us that we don't think are okay are actually what makes us strongest. Great book on, on the shadow you know, as a, you know, a way to look at that. Um, I'm forgetting the, the, the title, but the, the, it's something about you know, readings on the shadow self. Um, I like, anybody ever train a puppy? Okay, few people have, have had puppies. So you're training the puppy to sit and stay. You you know, push its rump down, you say sit, then you put it your, you know, the, the command, you put your hand in front of its snout and you say stay. And three seconds later, it gets up and goes and sniffs the garbage can. If you freak out on the puppy, if you yell at the puppy, if you hit the puppy, you do not help it learn to sit and stay. You train that puppy that that human is to be avoided is what, you, what the puppy learns. It does not learn to sit and stay. What the puppy needs to learn to, to do that consistently is consistency. You need to, every time it gets up, put its rump down, and it, you know, at regular intervals, give it praise or give it food, give it something that it likes for do, you know, playing along with the sit-stay. And the mind is very much like that. You know, if my mind goes, if I'm sitting and meditating, and my mind goes to tomorrow, and I you know, sort of give myself a mental slap on the wrist for letting the mind leave the present when that was the intention, was to stay in the present moment, that does not help. That doesn't help me 
me train my mind to stay in the present. That just starts this whole other chain of, of judgment, should-haves, and you know, it's, it's just another opportunity for a different kind of shame rather than, oh, let me, you know, I, I noticed the mind went there, let me gently bring it back. You know, if we go back to, to this slide, you know, this, this word is bolded. So is the word when. You know, big misconception that gets in the way of people doing a meditation practice is this belief. If I was cut out to do this, my mind would stay on the breath the whole darn time I'm meditating. It's completely wrong. That is not reality-based. Uh, any teacher who's, you know, anybody who's been through enough meditation will tell you the mind is going to wander. That is its nature. Um, so every time, you know, what, what creates change over time in the way my mind works? You know, all of our brains are reorganizing themselves day to day. You know, the studies are irrefutable. You know, till the, the, you know, the, you know, the week we die, at least, Brain cell, new brain cells are being laid down. The old dog, even if the dog is a very sick, very old dog, it's still learning new tricks. Its brain is still continually reorganizing itself. And, you know, as an aside, I think that, you know, the, you know, the way brain injury recovery is framed is like, you know, often it, it, it's, it's, it's framed as if you've got a year, and after that, whatever you got, you're stuck with. And I think that's a, a, you know, a, a very pessimistic way to look at it. You know, if during the year, it might get you to work a little harder, but once that year has passed, I think it, it, it's, it's unnecessarily negative because all the, the window never closes. All of our brains are continually reorganizing themselves. And, Every time I notice that my mind has left the present in a way that I'm not intending it to, if my intention is to stay focused on something in the present moment, and I notice it wanders, and I bring it back, I am weakening that habit of going into the future or going into the past. I'm strengthening a different, I'm developing a new habit of staying where I actually am. You know, and if, if we're having a conversation and my mind goes to tomorrow, you're likely to feel that. You know, this isn't just about um, uh, uh, you know, being able to focus on what I want to be able to focus on. It's very important for interpersonal connection. To be with you in that moment, you know, it's been said a couple of times, is a very you know, important thing for connections with others. Um, so every time I notice my mind has gone somewhere I'm not intending it to, and I bring it back to where I'm intending it to be, I am strengthening my ability to focus on what I want to focus on. Um, now, you know, we just did a formal meditation practice, and there is a school of thought that says, ah, why would I do a, why would I, 
take special time out of my day to focus on the present moment, why don't I do that all the time? You know, sort of a, the, you know, mindfulness idea, which is, you know, all, you know, there's a new magazine called Mindfulness out there now. Uh, we're all about to eat a meal. Uh, to the extent that we can be present while we're eating that meal, we're a more likely to notice when you know, I'm more likely to notice I'm full if I'm not watching the TV and talking on the phone while I'm eating my dinner. Uh, you know, I, I, it gives it gives me an opportunity for the the sensation of oh I'm satiated to sink in, and you know, when we pay attention to the act of eating, it registers in our brain a little bit better as an event of, oh yeah, I ate. Um, and most of us, if given a choice, you know, I mean, most of us really enjoy eating. You know, it's one of, our, you know, one of the great pleasures of being a human. Uh, and, uh, but we spend, uh, very often, we're not focused on it while we're eating. So for at least a few bites of the meal today, I would recommend paying attention to it. Now, this is also a social gathering, so, so there, you know, I, I'm not suggesting you sit in stony silence and not look at the person across the table from you, but, you know, I, 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 and this might be something that you do more on your own next time you're eating a meal, but paying attention to the appearance, the fragrance, the sensation of the utensil in your hand, bringing the food up to the mouth, that once it gets to the mouth, the temperature and the texture, the taste, and letting there be a pause, you know, before I go for the next, the, the next bite, to let that first one sort of, like all the, all the um, reverberations of that experience, you know, that flavor, uh, that experience of, of eating that mouthful before I go on to the next. Um, and, you know, one of my favorite comedians, you know, let, let's not do this. The meal isn't over when I'm full. The meal is over when I hate myself. Uh, you know, that's an ex you, you have to sort of disconnect yourself from the experience of eating to eat so much that now you're, you're wishing, you know, and you're, you're thinking, you know, should I go purge? Uh, you know, you have to disconnect. You can't be present if you're, if you're eating that much. Um, and after the lunch, we'll come back and uh, I'll share some more with you.